This is a Discovery Church podcast. Every heart found in Jesus' story. Wherever you are in your journey of faith, we pray that this message brings you deep encouragement. If you would like to get involved in the life of our church, head over to discoverychurch.com.au or check out our social media or YouTube channel. Great to see you. How are we this morning? Doing well. Welcome, those of you who are joining us online. Thank you for spending your time with us online this morning as well. Hey, I grew up by the beach, by the ocean, by the surf beach. And so, so going to the beach was always a part of my upbringing. It was always swimming in the ocean. I was, had a bodyboard with me. and We'd always go down to the beach and, and on hot days, summer, and all of that kind of thing. It was my early 20s, though, that I made that transition that I think everyone who lives by the beach thinks is going to happen, where you become a surfer. I became a surfy dude, right? In my early 20s, I would go to the beach. I would spend my time with my friends at the beach. I would, so I would start surfing. And I, and I took, I took the, like, the, the bug I, really hard. I went in hard on surfing. I would take detours driving from where I was going to the next place I was going and go 20 minutes out of my way just so I could see the ocean, so I could see what the waves were doing. I would lie in bed at night trying to calculate, trying to think out of all the coastline in the world, how many waves right now weren't being surfed. <laughs> like, I'd be thinking, man, there is, a, there is just a, there is literally a sea of possibilities out there, right? So I would like went, went so hard into it. And of course, you and I have these things where you find something, you stumble upon a hobby, you come upon something. It could be anything. And you think to yourself, why isn't everyone doing this? You, you know what I'm saying? You come across something and you think, this has brought so much life to me. This is the bee's knees, this is the top. Why isn't everyone, this is what I, why isn't everyone at the beach every single day, every waking moment, you get fit, you feel invigorated, you're out seeing friends, you're in creation, you're connecting with all of these kinds. Why isn't everyone here? Why doesn't everyone just do this all of the time? And I know you have something like that too. You know, it, it could be any number of hobbies or any number of things, but you think exactly the same. We're in the middle of a series right now called Every Heart in Jesus Story, where we are looking at the contours of our vision. When we say as a church, every heart, what do we mean? When we say found, who are we talking about and what does it mean to be found and what does it mean to be lost? You know, what is Jesus' story? What is the story that he's telling? That's what we're going through right now. And we believe as a church that God has created every heart for connection, created every heart for community, to be together, to find a place to belong. We believe that God has created every heart with a yearning for restoration or answers to life's problems, right? Life is a pretty big problem. There are problems that you have to solve every single day. And so we believe as a church that God has provided some answers or a pathway, a path of restoration for us to figure some of that out. And we believe that God's created every heart in His image, so we've got creative ability, the ability to contribute, to be a part of something, to be useful, to, uh, to contribute to the community and find ourselves in that creative process as well. So my question is, why isn't everyone here? 
why isn't everyone doing it? If this is what Jesus is all about, creating belonging for people, creating restoration for people, creativity and contribution in people's lives, why isn't everyone here? It's a good question, right? If it's for every heart, why doesn't every heart come? So I want to try and answer those questions today. And we're going to do that by looking at Luke chapter 8, verse 4 to 15. You know, last week we spent some time focusing on David and Goliath, and so it feels a little bit like we're just going through the Bible's greatest hits because we're looking at uh, the parable of the sower today. So again, I will repeat my encouragement to you last week. Uh, 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 Before you think to yourself, I've seen it all before. I know it all before. I've heard a hundred sermons on this. Just wait. Hold. And we'll see where we go. When a a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A soul went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. The birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away. It had no moisture. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears, let him hear. When his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables. So that, in quotes, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand or perceive. Verse 11, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard and the devil comes and takes away the words from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but, are, but uh, they have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing, they fall away. As for those among the thorns, they are like those who hear, but they go on their way and are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and they bear fruit with patience. Jesus, as we open your word, as we consider your word today, may it inspire us, challenge us, and change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what's a parable? He opens his mouth in parables. It's a combination of two words, para, which means alongside, and bole, which means to throw, literally like a ball. So Jesus is throwing something alongside something else in order to illuminate that other thing. Uh, If you are in a context such as this, an agricultural society, mostly made up of subsistence farmers. They are very, very familiar with the idea of a farmer and with seed. In fact, it was something that they would see multiple times a day. Jesus is drawing spiritual truth 
out of physical realities so they can understand and imagine, oh, I've done this. I've walked along and I've thrown out seed onto all of the ground and I know that some of it's gonna bear fruit and some of it isn't. N.T. Wright says this, that what Jesus was doing was not commenting on farming problems, but on explaining the strange way in which the kingdom of God was arriving. Right? He wasn't just making a comment about, man, it's difficult being a farmer. Not all of your seed bears fruit. He was, basically, he was saying throwing something alongside to explain all of the other parables. Jesus is saying, when I speak in parables, this is what I'm doing. The farmer is throwing seed. And so for us, there are huge implications to this small and oft quoted parable. So we are going to explore and look at these three big implications. We will then make some application points after that, some questions for your groups, and then we'll be done. Does that sound okay? We're all on board. If you're online, comment and say, let's go. We are ready. All right. The first one is this, and this is the big story in this passage. The word works. The word works. It's good news. It's good news and it shouldn't surprise us that God uses something so, um, something so material to say, hey, when God throws out seed, guess what's in the seed? Something miraculous. Something amazing. There is something in that seed that is going to germinate, that is going to grow, that is going to flourish. And indeed, inside every seed, there is the potential of a tree. The word works. Every single seed can become a tree. That's good news. It's good news, and that's what we would call the Imago Dei, the image of God. Every heart is made in God's image. The person you are sitting next to you, that's sitting next to you, whether you like it or not, is made in God's image. You can argue with me all day, just don't argue with that person, right? Don't tell them that. No, you're not. Yes, they are. They are made in God's image. Every single person, every heart is made in the image of God. So even though we're fractured, even though the world's broken us, even though we're a little bit frayed at the edges, somehow as God puts us all together, we become this mosaic that when people look at it, they can see somewhere in there God's image. They can see Him. The Word works. In ancient times, tenfold would be a good return. Tenfold's a great return. And what does Jesus say here that the seed returns? 100-fold. If you were a listener in the ancient Near East listening to Jesus tell this parable, you're thinking, a hundredfold? Are you serious? Absolutely. That's what the Word does. A hundredfold in your life and a hundredfold in mine. More than anyone could ever ask, imagine, or think. The Word works. The Word works. It's, the Gospel is truly inclusive. Truly, 
more inclusive than anything because the word goes everywhere. Do you see the word that the, the, the farmer doesn't discriminate? Try and find the good soil and kind of narrowly, you know, he doesn't know. He's thrown it everywhere. That's the point with the word. It goes everywhere. The gospel goes everywhere. The good news of Jesus goes everywhere. He's not going to try and predetermine where the good soil, where the good soil is. He's just going to he's just going to spread it out. The parables go out. Jesus speaks the words, and they just go out everywhere. Truly inclusive. It's also truly original. In a world of derivative beauty where everything's a copy of something else, everything's in a, in a way, everything's a knockoff, you know, even as, a, a, you know, as artists, everyone's borrowing ideas from everyone except for God. He's the only one who doesn't borrow ideas from anyone. He's truly original. There is no derivative from God. He's not copying someone's homework. Truly original. Okay. So God knows what he's doing with you. That's the point. Right? He knows what he's doing with you. You're not too hard for him. You're not in the too hard basket. He is working with you. If your heart is good soil, he is growing something in you that will, will bear fruit. It will. The word works. That's why we're here to gather around the person of Jesus and listen to him as he illuminates his word for all of us. The seed is powerful, it grows all the time, and it might look small, but it's amazingly significant. How many have seen a seed and thought, well, that doesn't look like much? And then you plant it, and you go away for a couple of years, and then you come back, and you think, ooh, actually, there was something there all along. Secondly, the word will polarize. The word will polarize. The word requires a response. There is something about the Word of God as it is spoken, as it is heard, that demands an answer, a response. And the hard truth is this, that the gospel is good news for every heart, but not every heart will hear it. Huh? The gospel is good news for every heart, but not every heart will hear it. Every heart is like a, like, a, like, a, like a seed, but not every seed will grow into a tree. And the parable of the sower tells us that. How much seed was scattered and how much grew. Even the disciples, did you notice that? He shares the parable and then the disciples pull Jesus aside and go, wait, 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 wait. So that story about the farmer and the seed, can you, just, can you just run us through that one again? The disciples, ones who were walking with Jesus, needed an explanation, okay? It's all right. You don't have to get it the first time. 
Jesus then goes and sits with them, and that's where we get that explanation from. Jesus is like, okay, let me spell it out for you, but not before quoting Isaiah chapter 6, which we're going to come back to at the end, which Isaiah's whole job in the Old Testament, one of the major Old Testament prophets, was basically to speak to the word, uh, speak the word to people who were never going to hear him. So his whole job was to basically be a failed preacher. And you think your calling from God is bad, right? But the parables themselves become divisive. They become a point of contention. As Jesus spreads the word onto all the different types of soil, some are going to accept, some are going to object, and some are just merely going to walk along and walk away as thus nothing has even happened. So it's okay to not know everything. It's okay to go back to Jesus and say, hey, um, Lord, I need you to just run me through that one again. All good. All right. The seed will work. The fruit will grow in its time. Growth is a process. It takes time and be patient. Now we're building a bit of a picture here, Right? of what's going on here in this soil. The third thing is this, is that the soil is important. The soil's important, right? The seed is, the word works. It's gonna grow. It's polarizing, but what we see here is the kind of soil that the seed falls on radically determines the future of that tree. Radically determines it. And we're told also that there are things against it. Things against the seed. Did you read that as we read it? Things against the seed. So the farmer sows the seed and some of it falls on the path. And then we're told that the enemy, Satan, is against the seed. The bird comes in and snatches it up. And so the seed doesn't even have a chance to grow. The enemy is against the seed, the word of God in your life. It is very, very counterproductive for the enemy to have you growing in God. Very counterproductive. And so he will snatch it away wherever he can. The enemy is against the seed. I'll tell you what else is against the seed. The world, the the kingdom of the spirit of the air, the spirit of the age. Where we're told that when the word of God starts to get planted in someone's life and then persecution or testing comes because of the word, as soon as they kind of stand in it and say, well, this is what I feel like God's called me to do. And then people come and criticize that or say, oh, I'm not sure about that. And then it, gets, it falls away, gets snatched away again, gets choked out. The spirit of the age is against the seed. It doesn't want you growing in God. It doesn't want you being fully reliant on Him. This culture of everything, me, 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 now, now, now. So that's the second enemy. And the third one is the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. I like to call them the big three. Anxiety, money, and entertainment. They're all against the seed. Going to choke it out, 
crumple it up and make sure that the seed doesn't grow. Anxiety is gonna be against the Word of God growing in your life. So is money, the love of money. I just wanna get rich and I wanna be famous and I wanna, I wanna basically not have to rely or worry about anything else. You know, and entertainment, constantly having to be entertained with something in our faces going on so that we don't get bored. They're all against the seed. And they snatch it away, choke it up, stop it so it doesn't get any roots in your, in your life. See, here's the thing. Our culture says your heart is truth. What you believe or feel in your heart, that's the truest, most beautiful thing about you. And you've got to allow that truth in your heart to blossom and grow. And then everyone else's job is to validate that. The gospel says you've been made in God's image. And the closer you become to God, the more like the person you were intended to become, you be. Right? I said that with about 100 more words than I needed to. God holds the blueprint for who you are. He holds it. And the closer you get to Him, the closer you become to yourself. I'm going to need to say that again, I think. Right? He's got the blueprint of who you are. You've been created in His image. You are like Him in so many different ways, but you're not going to be able to find that by just following your heart. You're going to need to go towards Him knowing that He holds the blueprint of who you really are. Right? So let's move towards Him and allow Him to disciple us and lead us. Trust Him with who you're becoming. Right. Okay, real talk just for a minute. Umbrella of grace, and I say this with compassion. Your need to be validated is only part of what it means to be discipled. God's job in your life isn't to validate you and who you are and everything you feel. God's working in you to grow you, to disciple you, to lead you, to grow you up, to be this great big tree. Now, part of that is understanding where you've come from. Part of that is understanding the pain that you face, the things that you've gone through and hearing that and listening to that. And then there is a process of going, all right, let's go. Now we're going to move from there and we're going to move into the place of discipleship. Now for those of you who have experienced trauma, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what has happened to you. I'm sorry for what people did to you or what circumstances did to you. I'm sorry for the experience that you have had. We weep with those who weep and we grieve with what was lost. We hear you and we see you. And as a church, we want to call you to place that pain, that trauma into the hands of Jesus who can take it and make something beautiful out of it. He can transform it. 
He can give that suffering some meaning. He can make it so that no season is ever wasted. And He can turn it so that that pain, that source of blackness and grief can turn into something that becomes life for someone else. You don't have to stop there. It can grow you. And in the meantime, we see you. And our job, our role as a church is to disciple one another, to lean on one another, and to move forward together. So you provide the environment and God will provide the growth. Allow your heart to become good soil. So maybe this is why everyone is in here. <laughs> so what do we do? What do we do next? Well, firstly, there's a journey towards God's great big wells. You know, we're all on a journey. We're all moving in a certain direction. And as churches, we've been really, really good at putting up fences and saying who's in and who's out. But I want to say it's more that your direction is more important than where you are in proximity to the well. If you're moving toward the well, let's go. If you're moving away from the well, that's totally cool as well. But we're going to be about people who are moving towards the well, moving towards the person of Jesus. Now, fences are still important. They're important for safety, but not for comfort. Our fences are important for safety, right? To keep, to, to keep harmful things away from that which is vulnerable. That's why our child safe policies at Discovery are top notch. And if you are a, if you are a uh, sexual offender or on the offenders list, you are not able to be a part of Discovery Church because the care of the vulnerable is really important to us. That's an example of offense. And we want to call all people to journey towards the person of Jesus, towards the well. Empathy should drive our exploring. Being curious and asking good questions. All right, so some questions. How many people do I know that, I, that aren't like me? Secondly, what might it look like for me to meet difference with compassion and not with fear? These are all in the app notes, so you can just go to Discovery Live and all these questions are here. Thirdly, do I believe that God can reach and transform anyone? Okay, so that's the journey towards Jesus, towards the world. What about the journey away? It would be foolish for us, although a little bit understandable, to assume that discovery equals kingdom. And that whoever's here is part of the kingdom and whoever isn't, ain't. But we are a little corner, a little section, a tiny little sunny spot on the bank of God's vineyard. 
We're not the whole thing. There are people who love Jesus all over the world. People who are exploring faith all over the world. People with different traditions, with different backgrounds, with different ways of expressing their worship of Jesus all over the world in far-flung places that you and I will never ever go. And they are all part of the kingdom as well. Isn't that good news? And so the people that are part of churches in our region, I love them. There are people throughout COVID who've moved churches or moved around. You know, maybe it's region, maybe it's geography, maybe it's vision, where we're going, maybe it's part of history, maybe it's worship style, whatever, that's all good. I make it a point, Jody and I make it a big point to be great supporters and friends with the other pastors in our region. Why? Because we're all part of the church. We're all part of what's going on and it's all good with us. If you come and say, hey, we feel like God's called us to go and worship here in this place, I'm gonna give you a high five. I'm gonna know the name of that pastor. I'm gonna say, have the best time and be a blessing. Don't be a pain in the butt. (laughs) Right? So I'm gonna say, go with our blessing as long as you are a blessing. Because if you're a pain, that's not gonna help anyone. You may as well stay here and be a pain. Questions, what am I, what's my attitude towards other church communities? I want to be a champion of them because we don't represent the whole thing. We're a little sunny patch on a little hillside in God's vineyard. If they love Jesus, they believe that he died and rose again, that he's coming back for the forgiveness, that he's coming back to take his church home, we're all in the same, we're all in the same community. How might I become an encourager of the church? How might I be gracious to believers who see things differently to me? Let's be gracious in all things love. All right, finally. The journey through. This is, the, this is God's risk of love. You see, he didn't make robots. Right? He didn't create robots out of us. He created, we're made in his image and part of his image in us is the ability to choose, is the ability to decide, is the, the ability to judge between good and bad, right and wrong, right for me, not right. For, all of those kinds of things, in my time, not my, all of those things, the ability to choose has been built into our nature as images of God. So he doesn't override that. Press the big red button that goes, robotize them and make them love me. Forced love is not love at all. And so the farmer's not picky about where the seed goes, goes everywhere. And the seed that goes on good soil, well, man, there is some miraculous fruit in that space. And that's God's risk. And that decree of hardening that we read before, that they would hear and not understand, that they would see and not perceive, that's quoted six times in the New Testament. 
Six different times they refer back to Isaiah 6 that says, yep, some people are going to see, but not, 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 but not really see. Some people are going to hear, but not really, really hear. Six times they say that in the New Testament. But of course, built in. Built in. Is something else. So, questions. Can I trust God with this process? How might I cultivate good soil in my heart so that the gospel bears fruit. And then thirdly, who can I disciple to become more like Jesus? We're going to read Isaiah 6, verse 13. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. But then read this last line. The holy seed. Jesus is the stump. What does this mean? It means every stump is a new beginning. It means every time God cuts back, every time there is a walk away, Every time the word is preached and it falls on places where people don't see or don't understand, it gives an opportunity for Jesus to do something miraculous again. The Israelites kept on hearing and never understood. They kept on seeing and never perceived. And God said through his prophet Isaiah, it's all good because out of that smoldering stump is gonna come Jesus who's gonna change everything. And it will indeed change everything. Let's stand together. Team, you can come. <clears throat> We're going to share communion together. Now, just a couple of things before we do that. Can I give you just a couple of housekeeping things? One, you're going to receive a cup and a wafer and I would love it if you would hold both and we will eat and drink together. After we've eaten and drinking, dr <laughs> eaten and drinking. I came out of my mouth a little bit too easy, didn't it? <clears throat> After we've, how would I say it? After we've eaten and drank. <laughs> uh. Just bad soil over here. <laughs> After we've done that, I would ask you to hold the cups because we're going to use the new and improved compostable cups to become compost for our garden, okay? So we'll do that together as well. So the host team are going to hand out the uh, elements right now. Hold on to them. So, and we'll eat and drink together. As we do that, I wanna read to you one last scripture together. Because we started a little bit cheekily at verse 4 in Luke 8. And of course, once you start at verse 4, you have to read the couple of verses before that. And so I want to read those verses before that because something prompted, something prompted Jesus talking about the parable of the sower. Luke 
chapter 8, verse 1, says, Soon afterward, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 were with him, and also some women who'd been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons came out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's, uh, Herod's household manager. And Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. And it's out of that that the great crowd gathers and he tells them the parable of the sower. And you think, well, that's a little bit weird, isn't it? Except that the ones who were traditionally on the fringes, these 12 kind of ramshackle disciples and these three specific women that got, that got picked out who were providing for Jesus out of their own means were examples of good soil. So the ones that we think are on the margins or on the fringes or the ones who've been counted out, God is actually counting those ones in. The ones, this was scandalous. There's three women who are providing out of their own pockets for Jesus and His disciples to do their ministry. They should be at home. They should be being quiet. They shouldn't be following Jesus. And yet here they are, as scandalous as the woman letting down her hair and wiping it, wiping Jesus' feet with it. As risque as that was, this is also the same. These women who are following after Jesus, women of means, supporting and serving the mission and the ministry of what Jesus was doing. And it's about them that Jesus goes, hey, you want an example of good soil? Who put everything aside and are trusting Him? for their identity, for where they're going, for their future, for their validation, if you like. It's in Him. And so for each of us, wherever we feel like we are, today's an open table. An open table to eat and to drink, to join together to eat and drink, as it were, of the one loaf of bread, as it were, of the one cup. To join together, to cultivate good soil together, to celebrate all that Jesus has done by His death, by the shedding of His blood, and by the breaking of His body, that the kingdom can come and bear fruit in your life and in mine. So Jesus, we thank You for these symbols. We thank You for this bread. We thank You for the juice. We thank You that by it and in it we remember, we retell the story, we remind ourselves of who we are, your image, broken, lost and fallen, but put back together by your broken, lost and fallen body. Put back together and forgiven by the shedding of your blood. And now join together as God's family, a small representation of God's family in this place at this time. For your kingdom's sake and in your name, Jesus, we pray, amen. Let's 
eat and drink together, guys. Amen and amen. All right, hold on to your cups or place them just on the ground at your feet. That's all good. The team's gonna begin to lead us in song. So why don't we get ready to sing and worship Jesus right now? Come on, team, let's lead us in this song. Thank you for listening to the Discovery Church podcast. It is our mission that every heart is found in Jesus' story. If you were moved by this episode, please take 30 seconds to share it on your social media. It only takes a couple of seconds to create life-changing impact.